This is the Quantum Tech Pod, brought to you by Inside Quantum Technology, covering industry analysis, data, and market forecasting for quantum technology markets worldwide. Now, here's your host, Christopher Bishop. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Quantum Tech Pod. I'm delighted that you're listening. My name is Christopher Bishop. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, depending on where you're sitting on the planet. My guest today is Marcus Flitch. He's the co-founder and chairman of Terra Quantum AG. Marcus is a former senior finance executive, management consultant, and CERN quantum physicist. As a graduate physicist, he began his professional career at the Boston Consulting Group in both Europe and North America, and went on to hold several top management positions in international financial corporations, including Deutsche Bank and Unicredit, as well as in owner-managed digital and high-tech companies. Marcus is also a senior advisor to private equity funds and a member of the Baden-Badener Unternehmergespräche, BBUG, a German institution that helps cultivate the next generation of executive leaders by bringing together decision makers from business, politics, and society. His company, Terra Quantum, is a deep tech pioneer, developing revolutionary quantum applications to shape the technology of the future. His international team of experts has brought together the best minds from science, academia, and industry to build a quantum technology for a better future, laying the foundations of a real quantum tech ecosystem and value chain. So welcome, Marcus. I'm delighted to have you joining me today. Thank you, Chris. Uh, great uh, to, uh, to have me on, on your podcast. Great. I'm glad we could finally schedule it. <laughs> we, yes, we it yes, on, fantastic. Yes. We got it on the calendar. <laughs> so I always like to start the podcast by asking my guests to share a bit about their own personal quantum journey. So my objective really is twofold. Of course, give our listeners a sense of what you did before you founded Terra Quantum, but also to orient our audience to the fact that there are many ways and various paths that people have taken to get into the field of quantum information science. So I wanted to ask if you could please share with our listeners a bit about your background and path so far, maybe where you grew up, where you went to school, what you studied, and any insight into the companies and organizations, including CERN, wow, where you worked before founding Terra Quantum. So please share. Yeah, uh, Chris, uh, indeed, uh, I think there are actually many ways uh, <laughs> into quantum. I think my way actually uh, started when I was a teenager. I was uh, always fascinated by philosophy, uh, by kind of the last questions, so to say. And I found more and more when growing up that you have to have a very sound mathematical and physics foundation to discuss uh, these questions. So uh, I ended up then to uh, study uh, mathematics and uh, physics at the University of Technology in uh, Aachen. Uh, and uh, focused on elementary particle physics and uh, quantum physics. Uh, and ultimately, uh, the place to be if you work in these fields, uh, obviously, is uh, CERN, or that's one of those <laughs> favorite places where you... Yes, for sure. Wow. <laughs> ...would like to, like to work. So, so I was one of the first summer students uh, at CERN, which was a kind of a newly established program back then uh, and uh, was uh, researching the field of uh, quantum field theory, uh, especially quantum chromodynamics. Um, and uh, yeah, ever since I'm, I'm really passionate about uh, quantum physics um, because I think, uh, you know, those principles also in terms of their philosophical implications, yeah, uh, principles like 
like entanglement or superposition, uh, which actually we use in today's quantum computers, right? Uh, yeah. but those principles have also, I think, a, a very severe impact uh, on how we uh, should view reality and the construction of reality. So I was always, and I'm still fascinated about that, but, you know, then comes, you know, turning points in life. You grow older and probably you think uh, there's also some other interesting stuff out there. So after CERN, actually, I decided to pursue, let's say, a normal business career. So I entered strategy consulting, went to Boston Consulting Group, a whole kind of new world, the business yeah. world and uh, tried to make my way there and, uh, you know, worked in investment banking after that uh, in, in M&A uh, at Deutsche Bank, for instance, and uh, then in the private equity environment as an as an CXO for portfolio companies. But, you know, after what, after my last exit uh, of, a, of a company, uh, that is now around four years ago, I thought, well, actually it's time to combine the two sides, so to say, of my of my career, combining my passion for quantum physics with um, my experience in corporate finance to actually commercialize quantum tech. And I ended up uh, founding Terra Quantum. Yeah. So the great segue. So what a, a fascinating background, though. Kudos. And really, really mm -hmm. interesting. Great story. So this segue would be so was there like an epiphany that uh, led you to start Terra Quantum? So obviously, you know, you have uh, experience as a physicist and a management consulting executive, which gives you a unique perspective on how you might build a quantum computing company. Was it a conversation with a friend or, hmm. um, you know, what, what was the light bulb moment? Yeah. What, um, Actually, you know, I, uh, I I never gave up that interest for quantum physics. So I followed it throughout also that, that my you know, career in finance. And I thought, wow, it would be nice to come back because these are the things which really uh, interest me. And, you know, I'm now 50 years old. And so when I founded Terra I'm kind of a late founder, so to say late age founder with 40 something, uh, you know, you there comes a time where you would like to follow your passion. Yeah. yeah. And if, if you would ask me, you know, what would you really like to do? Yeah. If there would be no constraints, it's actually what I'm doing, right? Because I follow my passion, you know, I, I, I can work in the most interesting and I personally think most disruptive technology field uh, and I can make use of everything which I learned kind of throughout my career, right? And if I look into that growing quantum tech ecosystem, I think actually the combination of those two dimensions are pretty important and, and, and that's kind of what drove me. I thought, well, I can bring something to the table here to really make it happen, to really find commercializable applications in quantum to, to kind of put it, uh, uh, you know, uh, away or transform it from academia into the business world, right? And, uh, yeah. and that's what, uh, what uh, drove me and still drives me. So that's a great message. Thank you for sharing that perspective, following your passion and combining skills and interests. Fantastic. Let's talk about um, the portfolio a little bit. So TerraQuantum offers quantum as a service in three pillars, quantum algorithm design, quantum compute, and quantum safety solutions. Can you elaborate on what's behind this product portfolio, please? Yes, sure. And I, I try also to put it for the listeners a little bit into perspective of kind of that quantum tech uh, ecosystem or the landscape, right, uh, of, yes. uh, of those uh, players which uh, emerge. 
if you, I think, try to analyze it and you see it in certain studies when you, when these uh, authors try to segment that quantum market, um, uh, you, you see that there is, uh, you know, on the one hand side, uh, on the one side, uh, focused hardware players, you know, they develop novel uh, QPUs, quantum chips. Um, those players, of course, mostly are very much still in R&D mode, right? I mean, they have to develop a hardware, they have... Uh, you know, they have to work with all the arrows which they've had. They have to scale it until, you know, the QPU can do meaningful things. Um, yeah. And uh, that's, of course, great in the midterm future. But I was always driven, can we find something which is applicable today and makes a difference today, has a real business impact? And then on the other side, you have those focused software developers who, you know, develop quantum algorithms which you know, uh, will have a, a tremendous speed up uh, compared to classical algorithms once the hardware is there to deploy it. And also here, if you don't have the hardware uh, access, sometimes it's a little bit difficult. I was driven. I was driven by the vision that we create a business model, kind of a one-stop shop uh, for corporates, and focusing really on. Uh, bringing quantum to life in the corporate environment already today. And, and that's the basis of the business model. So we view us as a quantum as a service company with end-to-end -end delivery capabilities. So a large corporate can come. Uh, we analyze uh, their uh, potential use cases, which are currently tackled by classical means, algorithms, and classical high-performance computing uh, architecture. And then we analyze uh, whether uh, we have a speed up when we transform that into the quantum space. We develop a quantum algorithm out of this. And that's actually what happens in that first business unit, quantum algorithm as a service. We develop quantum algorithms specifically uh, for use cases of uh, certain industries. The segue would be, tell me, so that sounds... Terrific. Tell me about QMware. I'm fascinated to read about this uh, joint venture based in Vienna. Mm -hmm. um, I'm reading a description. QMware provides the first hybrid quantum computing cloud platform, uh, quantum as a service for commercial use and leverages a new computing paradigm using high performance classical computers merged with quantum processors and based on both physical and logical qubits, um, a virtualization of quantum processing units, QPUs. Mm -hmm. So describe, can you describe for our listeners how these environments interoperate and what the tremendous potential is for this kind of approach? Yes, uh, sure. Because that's uh, actually also, you know, the answer for our, why do we have our kind of second business unit, quantum compute as a service, where we bundle our hardware projects. Uh, and this includes the QMware platform because we wanted to have a machine uh, which where we can deploy our uh, quantum algorithms uh, and which is uh, so powerful that we can actually, as I said, make a difference today, uh, unleash a real business advantage for corporates. And yeah. therefore, uh, we uh, came up with, and that's actually our conviction also for the mid and long term, by the way, not only short term, but definitely in the current NISC environment, right, where the devices, the native QPUs uh, 
aren't yet at scale uh, or you know you have to error correct and so mm -hmm. on and so forth with kind of they have a low quantum volume that actually in that NISC era it's good to work with virtualized qubits so start with uh, high performance computer architecture which we structure and compose in an IP relevant manner uh, e.g. how we access the memory so that we get uh, virtualized uh, uh, quantum chip uh, and uh, currently we work with 40 logical qubits based on classical high performance computing architecture uh, but those logical simulated qubits have no errors right so the quantum volume actually is 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 is, is very high and so this creates an environment where we can deploy our quantum algorithms and have it run on, on those logical qubits. And we actually see that we get a, in a various use cases a business advantage uh, compared to the current classical HPC deployment uh, for these corporates. I'm, I mean, if, if we can, we probably later, we, we probably can, can dig into one use case to kind of make it more illustrative. Uh, yeah. but, but that's kind of the idea, right? To yeah. create a hybrid quantum environment, combining best of uh, classical HPC uh, and mix intelligently classical and uh, quantum approaches to achieve a business advantage today. And that, by the way, holds true for the software side, for the algos, but also for the hardware side. That's, that's, uh, that was the vision. And probably if you allow me two more sentences on, on QMware, that uh, is uh, actually, we, we just opened beginning of the year, the first global hybrid quantum cloud data center. So that sits uh, indeed in uh, Vienna and you can access via the cloud, our hybrid machine and run your algos on it. And it's a complete usable industrial cloud with standard APIs uh, and we have various industrial clients running their applications on it uh, already and uh, it is an open architecture in the way that we not only work with our logical qubits but we can integrate native QPUs from the various vendors including our own uh, uh, novel uh, hardware uh, 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 chips, um, uh, which we also work on, but also third-party vendors. So we could include all those upcoming developed QPUs, integrate them into our machine, and it's a real integration, uh, physical integration, and then users can access via the QMware cloud various QPUs and, and use them also in parallel, and that creates a very powerful platform for early industrial uh, usage. Yeah, no, it seems like a very smart approach. Kudos. And again, mm -hmm. leveraging existing capabilities to move the innovative technology forward, right? Yes. Yeah, because also, yeah. you know, you have, I mean, we are all kind of the, the you know, the crowd within uh, these uh, quantum tech ecosystems. We are all, you know, passionate about quantum and I'm so too. But we should not forget you know, we have to pick up our corporate clients where they are today, right? I mean, it's especially the business leaders, if it comes to financial services or, and you take some optimization scenario within investment banking, yeah? Those business leaders in the first place don't care whether that's quantum or whatever. They care, does it have a business advantage? Can you get, yes. can I save money with your application or can yeah. I get better or faster or whatever? 
Uh, and that's where we have to pick them up, right? And also the classic, the IT people, the, the, the CTOs, the CIOs, they work if it's kind of data intensive. And that's what we usually uh, talk about when we kind of transform use cases in the quantum space. So if we talk to them, they are they have their current HPC setup, right? And we have to show them a way how they can migrate into quantum in an adoptable manner, right? And uh, with, a, with a quantum as a service approach and with QMware being there as a cloud service, like a standard cloud service, you know, they don't have to invest into hardware, which uh, into quantum hardware, which is actually hard to get. And you probably, when you get started, you don't want to make a huge investment or capital right. expenditure. So you can just start using it as a cloud service and Terra Quantum, uh, if those clients want, will help them uh, upskill the organization in terms of quantum and develop the uh, algorithms for them for those specific use cases. And that then comes together as, let's say, a one-stop shop uh, where, uh, which gives easy access uh, to the quantum world. Fantastic. Let's move to real-world applications, mm -hmm. sort of follow-on thread, as you were implying. You know, and the perennial question is always clients and mm. use cases, right? So could you share with our listeners, you know, areas where this hybrid quantum computing becomes relevant and certainly what kind of industry clients you're working with and are there use cases you can describe? So we have various clients out of the automotive uh, industry. Uh, don't forget, we uh, recently hired uh, Dr. Florian Neukart. He is our CPO so he headed uh, all of Volkswagen's quantum uh, activities uh, yeah. prior joining. So we feel also very honored that he joins us and he's working from the Silicon Valley. So uh, automotive is, uh, is an interesting industry uh, for us. And then we have clients in the retail and logistics uh, industry, chemicals, uh, financial services, energy and utilities, but we also work for certain uh, municipalities. Um, so it's kind of a, a broad range, but it includes, you know, the early adopter industries, which I would see financial services, chemistry, energy, automotive as well. Yeah. yeah. And um, so it's a really kind of a, a growing number. And um, probably if you want, I can dig into one specific use cases because I think it illustrates very nicely yeah. what we do. Please, that would be great. Yeah. So this is, you know, and this kind of, you know, past of my history as an investment banker. So financial services, investment banking, uh, there are very nice uh, applicable use cases because they work with huge amounts of data. They are interested in a kind of fast uh, execution. And uh, there is one uh, field called the collateral uh, portfolio. So the collateral portfolio sits on the balance sheets of the investment banks. It's, uh, you know, ranging from a couple of hundred uh, billions towards the real huge uh, global players have more than a trillion dollar in collateral portfolio on their uh, balance sheet. And so across all the client relationships, they have exposure to various asset classes, yeah, government bonds, cash, uh, various currencies. And the portfolio across all the relationships has to be optimized in terms of uh, liquidity necessities, funding requirements, internal associated risk costs. So it's a mission-critical optimization algorithms uh, 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 within investment banks. 
And currently they, uh, you know, deploy classical methods to do that. And we looked at, uh, for a European investment bank with a collateral portfolio of 400 billion in size, um, at these data and looked at all the classical requirements and constraints which had to be fulfilled, we developed the quantum algorithm um, and deployed it on our uh, QMware machine. And that yields uh, to a six basis points improvement. Uh, and that means that translates into more than 120 million dollars uh, annual recurring cost savings for that bank. So that's real big bucks, right? And that is something yeah. we can deliver today. And, and that's why we always say quantum is now. We don't follow so strongly that narrative. Well, let's get started with some, you know, intellectually interesting or inspiring kind of showcases. No, let's, because I think industry adoption comes with you know, when you can show real benefits. And, yes. uh, and and we can. I mean, if you selectively choose your use cases, like this one, collateral portfolio optimization, you can achieve a, a, a big performance improvement already today, uh, at least, you know, if uh, you deploy it in the way which I described and using uh, the methods of hybrid uh, quantum computing. Yeah, no, that's a tremendous example. Thank you so much for sharing that. Mm -hmm. I'm sure our listeners will find it very valuable. I want to move to other capabilities in your portfolio, um, specifically around sort of quantum safety solutions, right? Mm -hmm. uh, can you elaborate on what your company offers regarding quantum key distribution and also post-quantum cryptography? I read, among other things, that your protocol enables specifically up to 40,000 kilometers from a transmission distance perspective, and also that you're able to use existing fiber. So can mm -hmm. you tell our listeners more about that, please? Sure. Yeah, uh, that, that's kind of our uh, third business unit, quantum safety as a service, where we bundle all these efforts around quantum security, quantum cryptography, QKD. Um, and uh, actually here we followed a very novel approach, uh, which we think really is a breakthrough. Also here again, driven by uh, our desire to... Uh, make a meaningful difference already today. Because if it comes to, you know, uh, data security, I think we all know that, you know, you have to be quantum secure as an organization which deals with confidential data, if you ask me, already today, right? Yeah. Because yeah. unfortunately, we have these players out there, even if you can say the quantum hardware isn't yet capable enough of doing a quantum attack, yeah? Um, but... I'm pretty sure it very soon will be. Uh, yeah. And secondly, even if it's not yet there, there are players out there who, you know, harvest classically encrypted data, store them, and decipher them with a future quantum machine. And right. that's yeah. also not a nice scenario, right, for a, for yeah. a CTO. So therefore, I think, uh, and if we speak to CTOs, sometimes I think they say, well, you know, don't we have some somewhat more time, uh, you know, to, to, to make our organization quantum safe? I would say no. I mean, you have to do it now. It must be a top priority. Um, yeah. And uh, so uh, given that background, um, uh, also given that background, I think the ultimate goal, of course, is to have ultimate uh, security, right? I mean, uh, 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 to find a protocol which uh, also 
uh, you know, um, is safe um, uh, of quantum attacks of a truly powerful quantum machine in the future. And I think that that is the difference between kind of, if you talk business, between PQC and, and, and real QKD, right? PQC, post-quantum cryptography, helps you kind of to cope with the recent developments, right? And to kind of upgrade your security levels as the development uh, of quantum machines matures. The ultimate goal is QKD. So have a real QKD protocol, which provides ultimate uh, safety. And uh, that uh, you uh, can only get uh, 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 if you really also have an ultra-fast key generation rate. Yeah, And that's what we do with our protocol, actually. Our protocol uses a novel approach of sending a bunch of photons instead of just one photon. Uh, and with actually that uh, approach, um, we uh, are able to have an implementable, implementable QKD protocol using existing optical fiber infrastructure and doing that over large distances. And of course, I can elaborate if you want. Yes, yeah, please, please tell us more, because a, it's a big focus area. Certainly, the broader implications around quantum internet, quantum networks, right, connecting quantum computers, maybe, you know, lots of um, I've heard people describe it as sort of the sinew that will connect this, it will really make it, um, you know, make quantum viable, being able to connect, you know, ties to repeaters and memories mm -hmm. and sort yeah. of bigger picture implications around what you're describing in terms of transmission capabilities, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. The thing is with, you know, a lot of the current approaches uh, of uh, QKD protocols, the thing is that, uh, and they use usually kind of one photon, that you have to amplify it, yeah? And for that purpose, you need amplifiers who are so-called quantum repeaters uh, and uh, quantum repeaters have to be trusted nodes right and that is then from a security perspective the challenge you know how can you first of all you have to have you have to build out a kind of a completely new uh, infrastructure with those quantum repeaters along the line uh, and that makes it then kind of difficult currently to um, send uh, quantum secured signals over long distances. And uh, our approach, which is based on signal amplification and the physical control of the transmission line and sending a bunch of photons, gets rid of some of these constraints. So we can actually Work. We also need amplifiers, optical amplifiers along the fiber, but those amplifiers don't have to be quantum repeaters. They don't have to be trusted nodes. And that, that makes life very easy because we can work with existing telecoms uh, optical fiber infrastructure and send those uh, encrypted signals over very long distances, actually. Um, and, and that makes it uh, so powerful that we don't have to wait for a future infrastructure. We don't have to wait for a future satellite infrastructure. It works with optical fiber. And we don't have to build all these quantum repeaters along the line, but work with the existing optical amplifiers. So very powerful in terms of short-term uh, implementation uh, possibilities. Yeah. So, Marcus, I see a theme leveraging existing solutions to move this forward, right? That's right. Yes. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. 
want to shift gears, give you an opportunity to sort of look into your crystal ball, if you will. Congratulations on your um, 60 million Series A round. Mm-hmm. Yes, Wonderful. thank you. So without sharing competitive advantage, maybe, or mm-hmm. proprietary information, I'd love to get your take on uh, you know, what your vision is for how this funding round will expand and grow the company. What do you see Paraquantum doing in yeah. three to five years or longer? Yeah, I mean... The great thing in our industry is, right, that it it all just starts, yeah? <laughs> so that's really fantastic. So there is so much open space and wide space to develop uh, into. The markets will be huge. Um, and uh, how I foresee it, first of all, I think our business proposition, quantum as a service, make it kind of easy for customers to access quantum uh, solutions is a very uh, valid one. Um, and I think kind of the, you know, the, uh, the, the, the recent fundraise round uh, underpins it uh, because it actually is one of the largest global quantum tech fundraisers. Uh, and uh, that, of course, gives us now the financial strength and the backing of very highly reputated investors to, uh, yeah, to continue that part. Yeah? And uh, as it is, quantum products are truly global. Uh, we uh, want to grow global uh, as well. So we will continue to build out our operations in uh, Europe, uh, especially in, in Zurich. I will move to Munich uh, as well, besides Vienna. And then we'll also open an office in Silicon. We have already people in the US, but we'll you know, make an operational uh, team also uh, located in the Silicon Valley um, and enter the uh, North American uh, market. And, um, and then I see, you know, in this market also the, actually, I, I, th- I see the opportunity also for, and organic growth, yeah. Although it's a very kind of young industry, if you look into it, uh, into the uh, uh, play, the various players, there is a large chunk of very small teams, yeah. And uh, I think you know the 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 scarcity uh, of uh, talent, yeah, the shortage of quantum talent is a is a material. Uh, factor in that industry, yeah, and to really have rapid growth, I think you really uh, should try to grow your team and uh, um, uh, make a difference uh, in terms of the talent you have uh, on board. And therefore, I do see uh, that there will also be opportunities uh, for you know smaller teams um, actually to join. Yeah, um, I think that is a kind of uh, inherent in, in the current setup of the industry that we'll see some of these uh, corporations or integrations. Yeah. So it's a great segue into a, uh, the final topic I want to broach with you, which is an area near and dear to my heart, which is around workforce. So hmm. um, I want to get your take on the challenges facing a company like TerraQuantum and finding talent. Like, how do you go, go about recruiting for your company? Do you have affiliation with universities, for example? Um, or other sources. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Actually, we do we do have that uh, with uh, various uh, universities, um, because you are right. I mean, uh, that talent you mostly find still uh, at uni- at the universities, right? They are yeah. coming yeah. out of academia into those quantum tech startups. And actually, by the way, I I I think it's a great sign that we see more and more of the real quantum heavyweights, right, uh, moving out of academia uh, and uh, joining uh, 
uh, quantum companies. So, I mean, we have one example in our roles as well. So one of my co-CTOs, Professor Hinokur, he, you know, uh, he, he was a very seasoned uh, university professor. He was with the Argonne National Lab for 30 years. He, he is based in Chicago and he, you know, he joined. And so he's a Fritz Lander Memorial Prize winner, which is, uh, you know, the prize in condensed metaphysics. And uh, that, that, of course, gives a lot of credibility, you know, if those seasoned uh, professors join quantum tech startups and they, of course, have a great network to the universities and, and, and young talent. And so, therefore, we, I must say, we are very happy to actually have built one of the largest uh, quantum tech teams. So our R&D staff is now more than 100 people, almost all quantum physicists, mathematical physicists. And I think that is uh, largely driven uh, by the fact that uh, we uh, have those very, you know, gray hair, uh, gray hair quantum <laughs> physicists on board. Yeah. Yeah. Terrific. Well, Marcus, it's been a wonderful conversation. I want to invite people to follow you and the company on LinkedIn. Uh, I want to point them to your website, which is www.terraquantum.swiss, right? And yes. uh, I always like to point people to your, I'm sure there's a career page. Maybe there are open recs, the kind of skills you're looking for. Um, I'm sure people can uh, look at your website and yeah, join your team. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and please follow us on uh, LinkedIn. We post open positions there. We are very interested to get in touch with uh, additional young talent or talent uh, kind of throughout their careers. Uh, so uh, I think it's a great opportunity, actually, for physicists to especially focus on quantum physics, physics and, uh, yeah, and join one of these emerging quantum tech companies. The, the quantum age is just beginning, so I think it's a great industry uh to to grow into great well marcus thank you so much for your time i really enjoyed our conversation thank you chris it was a pleasure thank you for having me thank you again marcus for joining me today and thanks to all of you for listening please share this podcast on your social media channels to increase the impact of my conversation with marcus i encourage you to listen to my other quantum tech podcast episodes if you haven't already and certainly feel free to connect with me on linkedin this has been a production of Inside Quantum Technology. You've been listening to the Quantum Tech Pod, brought to you by Inside Quantum Technology. For more information on this episode or other topics relating to quantum technology, visit InsideQuantumTechnology.com.